As many of you may know, Elaine Homer passed away on Monday, a very early Monday morning. It was a result of COVID. Uh, I'm still kind of dealing with that. It just doesn't seem real. But yet, it happened. I did speak with her husband, Ken. Won't go into all the details and so forth, but it was a shock, to say the least. Um, Not only have we lost a good friend, but the body of Christ has lost a general. And... uh, you know, the Bible talks about precious in the sight of the Lord, the death of His saints, His servants. And that means costly. It means it, it costs Him a lot when one of His passes away because we're all He has here on earth. That's it. I know that you have a lot of people talk about um, when someone dies like that. Christians talking about well, you know, God has a plan for everybody. Yeah, well, that's not it. You know, that's not His plan. Well, you just, you know, God works differently in everybody's life. Yeah, but He doesn't work like that. Well, Brother Martin, you know, um, sometimes the will of God, but that's not His will. And I, I get, I guess sometimes... It just gets old hearing Christians talk like that. Now granted, I understand. If that's how you were raised and and you've never been correctly taught otherwise, well that's what you're going to hold on to. I mean, thank God you're born again. But, you know, that uh, when it comes to Christians who really ought to know better, they've been taught differently, that's when it Gripes me, I guess, is the way to put it. And Elaine's, uh, there's a viewing taking place right now. But then also her funeral is tomorrow. But not only her funeral. Tomorrow's also the funeral of a family member, one of Kathy's family members who died of COVID. And then um, a few... A couple of weeks ago, we attended the funeral of Kathy's cousin's wife, who died of COVID. Now, why don't you go ahead and turn over to Matthew 24. You know, I've shared in the past how everybody has opinions, and opinions are like armpits. Usually they stink. Well, that's just my attempt at goofy humor, but people have opinions, they do. Now in Matthew 23, if you look at this, or did I say Matthew 23? I'm sorry, Matthew 24, Matthew 24, beginning in verse 3. Jesus is sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately saying, Tell us when shall these things be, and what shall be the sign of thy coming, and of the end of the world? Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. 
and ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that ye be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines, and pestilences, and earthquakes in divers or various places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted, and shall kill you, and ye shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. And then shall many be offended, and shall betray one another, and shall hate one another. And many false prophets shall rise, and shall deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. Once you get past verse 14, he, uh, Matthew 24, verses 4, well, just say 3, 3 through 14, that is the summary of what's coming, of the end. That's it. And beginning in verse 15 and going forward, he's simply giving more detail about what he just said up through verse 14. I'm not, I got a whole teaching series on that. It's available at the website. You can watch it, download it, whatever. So I'm not going back over that. But, you know, they, they want to know what's the sign of your coming in the end of the world. The first and primary sign is deception in the body of Christ. That is the first and primary sign. Is that happening? Yes, it is. There is a massive amount of deception going on in the body of Christ now, more so than we've ever had, ever, ever. Because it is a deception that leads people away from Jesus in a way that many of us, well, you know, if you're my age and you grew up in church, you would never have thought it would get to this. But now, here it is. And he goes on and he shares so much in this passage. And in verse 7, he talks about nation rising against nation, kingdom against kingdom. And he says there will be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in diverse places. Earthquakes in, in various places. We just had a major one here the other day, down there in, in Haiti. It's bad. I mean, there's, who knows how many thousands of people will end up having died in that earthquake. But this word, you see this word, pestilences. It comes from the Greek word loemos, and it means a pestilence, plague, raging epidemic diseases, killing multitudes in a short period of time. Need I say more about COVID-19 as it fits into that? Now, I'm not... Do you see this? Okay, I, I want this to sink in. Please, get a hold of this. One of the things that, and I'll use this term gripes, one of the things that really gripes me are Christians who appear to be mature in the Lord, but they grab a hold or jump on 
bandwagon after bandwagon when it comes to COVID-19 and the vaccine. Now, this is not a a vaccine sermon, okay? So bear with me here on this. COVID-19, whether you want to agree with me or not, COVID-19 is a Matthew 24, verse 7, pestilence. Okay? We are living in an end-time plague. Remember, raging epidemic diseases killing multitudes in a short period of time. Have we not seen that all over the world? Absolutely we have. Now here's what's interesting. I want you to think about this. COVID-19 hit humanity swiftly. It was not something that took 30 years to develop. It happened. And at first, the news didn't talk a whole lot about it. Which... Okay, whether you think it was conspiracy or not, the news didn't talk a whole lot about it, but it was going on and it was bad. And then it began to increase. Well, then it became such to where people were paying a lot of attention to it. COVID-19 is a Matthew 24, verse 7 pestilence. Now, I mentioned just a moment ago how that Elaine Homer passed away from COVID-19. And and some Christians, I know how Christians are. Christians, let me just say, let me just, let's play what if, okay? Without being specific here. You just might have Christians say, well, I, I thought she was a woman of faith. You know, how come she died? Well, you know, you say that around me and in my flesh, I'm going to want to slap the holiness right out of you. No, I mean it. I will restrain myself. When you have had more miracles and healings in your ministry than she's had in hers, then you come and talk to me about faith. But until then... You keep your mouth shut. Now let me just give you a heads up when it comes to physical battles. The pattern that I have seen in the body of Christ, personally witnessed, and what I've read from the saints of old, for some reason it just seems to be easier to minister to people and get them healed than it is to receive it for yourself by yourself. That has to do with faith. So apparently, what happens very often is, our faith gets developed to minister to others, but yet we're weaker in the area of receiving it for ourselves, whatever the it would be. Elaine Homer has ministered to thousands of people in nations all over the world, and there have been signs and wonders and miracles over and over and over and over again. So don't tell me, you know, don't be criticizing that child of God because she's passed away. Just don't do it. Because you're the one in error, if you do. It's so easy for people to want to, you know, jump on a high horse and come across as so knowledgeable. 
Well, let, let me say it like this. You know, the whole thing of, of this being an end time, here's what you might not know. In fact, I'm going to be sharing other things you may not know tonight. About eight years ago, and I don't have the exact date, but about eight years ago, Pastor Dave Roberson prophesied that there was a plague coming, a disease. And it was going to be devastating. And it was going to be worldwide. And there would be no cure found. Now what do you think is happening right now? It's what we're dealing with. Now hear me and hear me well. I'm telling you. There will never be a cure found for COVID-19. And you say, well, Brother Martin, where's your faith? My faith is in the Word of God. Jesus doesn't say there will be cures found for the pestilences. He says they're coming. Now that brings up the issue of the vaccine. Well, you know, if you don't want to take the vaccine, really, I'm not going to cast stones at you. That's your choice. You can do whatever you want. But I do know this. It is proven proven that the vaccine helps prevent people from getting COVID-19. Now, a lot of what I've read from people about the vaccine is foolishness beyond measure. Now, you can, you're going to believe whatever you want to believe. I get that. But for crying out loud, guys, do your research in Scripture, alright? You know, if you've got the faith that is so strong that you know God somehow revealed to you that you don't need to get this vaccine because you've got the faith to beat that thing. Well, I praise God for that if that's true. However, if that's true, why aren't you going to the hospitals and ministering to the people who've been diagnosed with COVID and getting them healed. If your faith is that strong, why aren't you doing that? As I stand here tonight, I have yet to hear of one single testimony of anybody doing such a thing. See, it's easy to say, well, I've got the faith and I don't need the vaccine. Okay, do you wear glasses? Well, I mean, if maybe you do, I don't know, a lot of people don't. But if you do, and you've got that kind of faith, how come you're wearing glasses? Now, that, that sounds insulting, and I, I'm just trying to make a point. You've got a lot of Christians out there that do a lot of talking, but they don't have Scripture to back it up. When it comes to... You know, the whole thing of the vaccine, you've got people out there saying, well, it's the mark of the beast. Now, I hope to God there's not one of you who believe that. Not after all of what I have shown you in Scripture. But yet there are people out there that I think should know better. They're saying this stuff. But if you just get into the Word, you'll, you'll understand. I've taught on it. It's, it's scripturally I can prove. That it's not the mark of the beast. Now you can disagree with me if you want, but you're the one that's wrong. Because I can prove it from the Word of God. If you leave Scripture in context, you can prove a lot of things. And then you've got people out there saying, well, you know, the fact that we're being told we have to take the vaccine. 
that's setting us up to make us take the mark of the beast. Now, you know, if you will study Scripture, now please, if you will study Scripture, you're going to find out, both if you study both Old Testament and New Testament, you're going to find out that the majority, percentage-wise, I don't know what to tell you, 90%, but the majority of all end-time prophecy references are focused on what we call the Middle East and nowhere else. Now, some people would say, well, I just don't believe that. Okay, you just proven to me that you haven't gotten into the Word. That you haven't studied it out. In fact, when it comes to end time prophecy, do you realize nations or, or um, geographical regions are identified by name and they're in the Middle East, in that region of the world called the Middle East? Now, am I saying that end time events will have no impact on the entire planet? I'm not saying that. And you didn't hear me say that. But the point I'm making is this. <laughs> there are so many Christians, for some reason, it's almost like they think that the United States is the focal point of end-time prophecy. But it's not! Please, guys, just take some time to get into the Word and study these things out. Stop buying in to the rhetoric that you see in social media. Just study these things out for yourself. So yeah, end time events impact the entire world. But the primary focus as revealed in Scripture is in that region that we call the Middle East. That includes the point of origin for the mark of the beast. Not the United States. It's not. But again, here's what's happened. For decades... 50, 60 years, the end time prophecy experts have kept pointing to things related to the United States, to Russia. It's like, no, come on, get in the Word. Study this out. Check it out for yourself. Because in the Bible, there are times when the names of certain uh, countries have been changed or the region names have changed. There's a more modern uh, name today for it. But if you just do your own research, you'll find that, well, the, you know, today we call it, you know, what you call it, you know, a name. But if you research it, you find out, well, back in Bible times, it was called such and such. You know, like Iran. It used to be called Persia. Okay, so, yeah, just study these things out. And if you don't want to take the vaccine, really, go ahead. Seriously, you don't... You know, well, I think it'll make me sick. I've heard of people getting sick. And so, okay, honestly, I have too. And if you don't want to take the vaccine, then don't. I'm not going to criticize you. But, but don't do it because of fear-mongering. And there, quite frankly, my experience has been a whole lot of Christians who say, I'm not taking it because of, the because of, is a result of what they've read on social media, expert this, doctor that, and so forth. I'm not seeing a whole lot of prayer in this. I'm not seeing a whole lot of people, well, and even then, some people, well, I prayed. I just like, hey, did you know 
Maybe you heard about this, maybe you read about it. There's some lady on the internet who professes Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, professes that she is born again, and I mean she talks that talk. But, she gets on the internet and she strips, takes her clothes off, gets naked, and says God told her to do it. And she says, every time I pray about it, God keeps telling me, yes, do it. I want you to do it. Now, that woman's convinced. And I'm telling you this right now, based on what I know about Christians, you're going to have some Christians out there who are going to say, but if God told her, we may not understand God's ways. What? Oh, good glory. (laughs) You know... It's really a good thing God doesn't reveal to us everything He knows. Because there's stuff out there just absolute lunacy. Just crazy. Now, when it comes to people taking the vaccine, if you don't want to, don't. Seriously, it's your choice. But, don't criticize the people who do take it. And don't start preaching to them from expert this and doctor that. Just don't, okay? Respect that choice. Don't, don't create more strife. But the bottom line is this. COVID-19 is a Matthew 24-7 pestilence. And guess what? There's more coming. I don't know what it would be. You know, you're not going to eradicate COVID-19. Mumps, never been eradicated. Polio, never been eradicated. Measles, never been eradicated. Chickenpox, smallpox, never been eradicated. None of these things have been eradicated. They've simply been managed with hygiene and vaccines. That's it. But that stuff's still out there. Typhoid, it's still out there. Bubonic plague, it's still out there. It's just been managed. That's all. So I don't know what all's coming. But I do know this. Jesus said, don't get worked up. Because the end is not yet. These are the beginning of sorrows. He talks about wars and rumors of war. Let me you know, share some things with you briefly. I don't know how many of you are aware, but China is taking a far more aggressive stance against the world. In particular, the United States. I, honestly, I could stand here tonight and just give you facts about what China has done and what they're planning and what they're doing. I'm not talking rumors. I'm talking bona fide facts. We don't have time for that tonight. So I didn't put it in my notes. But here's what's happened. China has made military overtures toward Hong Kong, Taiwan. They've been sending their their ships into the South China Sea and claiming it for their own. They They have been... What's a good way to say this? They have been casting their eyes on the Philippines and they have actually sent ships. I don't know how they measure like this is this is our water, you know, this is our part of the ocean or whatever. But let, let me just say this, they had their China sent ships that caught the attention of Australia. They're looking to make a move. Now hear me. They're going to make a move. Now I don't know what that means. I don't know. 
but you can watch for a possible invasion of Taiwan. They want the whole Pacific Rim. They want it all. And, and if they feel like they can make a move on South Korea along with North Korea and the United States is not going to move and help out, they're going to do it. They'll just simply sweep in and take it. They'll do whatever. Well, this is part of the wars and the rumors of wars. But along with that, let's talk about something that's been happening recently, going on right now. Afghanistan. How many of you have heard about Afghanistan lately? Anybody? Am I the only one? Now, our president has made what a lot of people believe is a terrible mistake. You can agree or disagree. I don't know. And a lot of people are saying, well, wondered, you know, we've been in over there for 20 years, and it's just gone on too long. Now, we can debate all night about why we've been there for 20 years. Why has it been taking so long? What has been going on? Well, let me share something with you. And what I'm going to share with you, and I'm going to be reading things from articles and reports. This has been going on for decades. I, I don't... It may have been going on, well, really, it's probably been going on for centuries in that region. I don't know how long Afghanistan has been called Afghanistan. But what I'm getting ready to read to you has been going on over there in ways that it's not going on in other countries. Said differently, what I'm getting ready to share with you is something Afghanistan is known for. Now, this particular report that I'm going to read to you, and by the way, if you don't believe what I'm telling you, go online, do your own research, and you're going to find documents that go back decades explaining all this. Not rumor stuff, okay? Legitimate websites reporting on this. Now, this, this part is from 2015. In his last phone call home, Lance Corporal Gregory Buckley Jr. told his father what was troubling him. From his bunk, now he's a lance corporal with our military, okay? From his bunk in southern Afghanistan, he could hear Afghan police officers sexually abusing boys they had brought to the base. That's our military base. At night we can hear them screaming, but we're not allowed to do anything about it, the Marine's father, Gregory Buckley Sr., recalled his son telling him, before he was shot to death at the base in 2012. Now, I'll kind of get into this in a little bit, but he was killed in 2012, in, and his death was kind of buried because it's believed when he became like a whistleblower about what was going on, they took him out. No, okay? Nobody's confirmed that. But there are strong suspicions. Anyway, uh, Greg, Gregory Buckley Sr. urged his son to tell his superiors, My son said that his officers told him to look the other way because it's their culture. Rampant sexual abuse of children has long been a problem in Afghanistan, particularly among armed commanders who dominate much of the world landscape and can bully the population. The practice is called Bakha 
Bazi, literally interpreted boy play. And American soldiers and Marines have been instructed not to intervene. In some cases, not even when their Afghan allies have abused boys on military bases, according to interviews and court records. This policy has endured as American forces have recruited and organized Afghan militias to help hold territory against the Taliban. But soldiers and Marines have been increasingly troubled that instead of weeding out pedophiles, the American military was arming them in some cases and placing them as commanders of villages and doing little when they began abusing children. The reason we are here is because we heard the terrible things the Taliban were doing to people and how they were taking away human rights, said Dan Quinn, a former Special Forces captain who beat up an American-backed militia commander for keeping a boy chained to his bed as a sex slave. But we were putting people into power who would do things that were worse than the Taliban did. That was something village elders voiced to me. After the beating, the army relieved Captain Quinn of his command and pulled him from Afghanistan. He has since left the military. When asked about American military policy, the spokesman for the American command in Afghanistan, Colonel Brian Trabus, wrote in an email, generally allegations of child abuse, uh, no, generally allegations of child sexual abuse by Afghan military or police personnel would be a matter of domestic Afghan criminal law. He added that there would be no express requirement that U.S. military personnel in Afghanistan report it. An exception, he said, is when rape is being used as a weapon of war. Okay, now, before I go any further, you need to understand what, what happened in Sodom and Gomorrah. You with me here? Are you seeing it's the same thing that's going on in Afghanistan? Do you understand that? Now listen, there's more. The American policy of non-intervention is intended to maintain good relations with the Afghan police and militia units the United States has trained to fight the Taliban. It also reflects a reluctance to impose cultural values in a country where pederasty pederasty is rife. Pederasty is men doing things to boys. Particularly among powerful men for whom being surrounded by young teenagers can be a mark of social status. So, you know, middle class on up, the more boys you have, the more status you have. This is sick. It's disgusting. Now listen to this. This report is from December 3rd, 2019. It was recently reported in the media that the Afghan government has arrested two human rights activists after they exposed a pedophile ring in the country's schools in Logar province. <laughs> so the Afghan government arrested somebody for saying, hey, did you know this stuff's going on over here in these schools? And so the people who are trying to protect the boys and the children get arrested by the Afghan government. It is reported that as many as 165 boys were raped in just three schools. They were raped by their teachers, local authorities, and even older boys at the school. If all the six schools are taken together, 
then the number may be in excess of 500. Pedophilia is extremely normalized in Afghan culture. The culture of Afghanistan is precisely what one would call rape culture. In the custom of Baka Bazi, which is extremely common, little boys and adolescents would often be forced to dress in feminine attire and made to dance in front of the men before being raped. President Ashraf Ghani, at that time the president of Afghan, Afghanistan, I don't know if he still is or not, but President Ashraf Ghani had vowed in 2015 to crack down on the practice, but despite his statement, Baha Bazi is still rampant and prosecution of pedophiles is rare. The, as the arrest of the human rights activist demonstrates, there is an extreme lack of willingness on the part of the Afghan government to take any serious action on the matter. The U.S. State Department's response comes after the Assistant Secretary of State announced last month that the Trump administration was closely monitoring the situation. The conduct of the Trump administration on the matter appears to be significantly different from that of his predecessor. There is sufficient evidence that indicates that the Obama administration was perfectly aware of the ghastly practice that was rampant even in the Afghan security forces. It was reported in 2015 by the New York Times that U.S. soldiers were told by their commanders to look away even as their allies raped children in front of them. In 20, from uh, uh, CENTCOM, Central Commands, now listen to this. This, this is not a part of the child abuse, but this is what was going on in, in um, Afghanistan relative to Christianity. Now get this. Central Command's General Order Number 1 forbids the soldiers from proselytizing while on active duty. Meaning, when you're on active duty, don't you tell anybody about Jesus. Well, why not? Well, because Afghanistan is a Muslim country. And, see, here's part of the problem. The Afghan government, and you need to understand, this goes on in, in more than just Afghanistan. It's almost like this. Okay, who out there wants to help us fight the Taliban? United States? Russia? China? Who wants to come in here and help us? Now, whoever wants to, we'll take your help, because we need help. United States says, okay, we'll help, because when we come in and help, and assume we win this thing and, and it's over and done with, and you guys can stand on your old two feet, then you're not going to be an ally to our enemies. Do you understand that? So we, the United States, will come in and help. And Afghanistan says, okay, great, but remember who we worship. And don't come in here telling us who you worship. So if you want to help us, you leave Jesus out of the mix. In May, uh, um, a report from May 17, 2009, the Pentagon, under the Obama administration, has just acknowledged seizing and burning the privately owned Bibles of American soldiers serving in Afghanistan. How many of you heard about that one? Yeah. See, this stuff I'm sharing with you tonight, you haven't heard this on CNN. You haven't heard it on Fox. You haven't heard it anywhere. It's because it's being buried. It has been buried by all of our media. 
And the reason for it is because you've got too many Christians, some of them even liberal, Christ, liberal non-Christians, who would be appalled at that man-boy stuff going on in, in Afghanistan. And so we're not going to talk about that. We're not going to let people know this goes on. Well, anyway, as far as the, uh, the burning of the Bibles was concerned, Lieutenant Colonel Mark Wright said the Bibles were confiscated and thrown away. And every day, as a matter of course, the garbage on the bases burned. So that's what became of the Bibles. Any impression that there was some sort of formal book burning is false, he said. Okay, <laughs> what's the difference? I mean, if you capture them and you throw, if you, if you confiscate the Bibles and you throw them in the trash and you're going to burn the trash, isn't that the same thing? Yeah, it is the same thing. Now, the reason I'm sharing all this, my goodness, there's so much more stuff. This is like the summary, a short summary. The reason I'm telling you all this is because this explains why it's been so difficult to win over in Afghanistan because it's not just a guns and bullets and bombs uh, warfare. There is a spiritual something going on. A principality is involved over there that can only be taken down through spiritual warfare. And because, because there has been a concession to abominations going on in that country, this is why it's been such a mess. This is why this has been going on. So, in that respect, you know, you can blame whatever president you want to blame, and sure, the government's had a role in this, but what might have happened if we had gone in there and we had said, all right, you know what, we're here, we're not going to stand by and watch these kids get raped. No, we're not doing that. And another thing we're not going to do is we're not going to tell our people to shut up about Jesus. If you want help, we're going to help you, and now that we're here... If you turn against us, we may escalate this whole thing. I mean, we can play what if all we want. But see, guys, we need to understand. There's always more going on than what we know when it comes to these conflicts. I, a friend of mine, years ago, he wrote a paper predicting what China was going to do over the next X number of years. And because of his, at that time, because of his uh, position with, um, he refers to it as the agency. We'll leave it at that. Because of his position, he had access to information. He presented this before leaders in the United States. Leave it at that. They didn't want to hear it. And now, what he predicted would happen, it's happening. He predicted the stuff about Taiwan. He, anyway, the re, look, I'm telling you this because there's more going on than what you realize in all of this. Far more going on. But now, listen to this. Psalm 33, verse 12. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord and the people whom He hath chosen for His own inheritance. Do you understand if Afghanistan had been willing to allow the name of Jesus to be proclaimed throughout this country, this thing could have been stopped a long time ago. Not just the, the pedophilia, but also the terrorism and so forth. There, a lot of it could have been shut down. But see, the name of Jesus was not allowed to be proclaimed in that country the way it could have been. Let's talk about something else. 
You know, when, G- when Jesus is here, he's talking about, you know, uh, verse 7, famines, earthquakes, and so forth. That word famine, yeah, it, it is what it means, but it's, I didn't write the, the Greek word down. But, again, to give you a very brief summary, the, um, you're aware of what's been going on out in California, the wildfires? Now, you, I'm hoping you're aware that there have been wildfires in California now for several years. It's like they kind of get one tampered down and another one starts up somewhere else. Okay, now listen to this. What I'm getting ready to read to you came out, I think it was about, what time is it? Ten hours ago? Um, Anyway, the Dixie Fire is an active fire in Butte, Plumas, and Lassen counties. It is named after the road where it started. The fire began in the Feather River Canyon near Cresta Dam on July 13, 2021, and had burned 635,728 acres, which is roughly 993 square miles, by August 18th, with 33% containment. Since July, the fire has burned primarily north through the Lake Almanor area, into Lassen Volcanic National Park and east toward Indian Valley and the outskirts of Quincy. The fire, the fire has damaged or destroyed several small towns, including Greenville on August 4th and Canyon Dam on August 5th. By July 23rd, it had become the largest wildfire of the 2021 California fire season. By August 6th, it had grown to become the largest single wildfire in the state's history. There have been other wildfires in California that burned and then they kind of joined together, but this has been the largest single wildfire. The newest fire, the Caldor Fire, you may not have heard of this one. It it ignited Saturday night, August 14th. You know, what, four days ago? It continued to grow explosively in the Sierra Nevada southwest of Lake Tahoe, covering 84 square miles after suddenly ravaging Grizzly Flats, a community of about 1,200. So this fire, <laughs> it, it went from nothing to 84 square miles in roughly three and a half days. That's incredible. Now, that's not normal. <laughs> that's not the way things are supposed to be in this world. But are you aware of the drought going on in West, the western United States? Well, listen to this. Crops in Washington state have suffered because of the drought with 93% of their spring wheat and 66% of barley in poor or very poor conditions. The dryness exacerbated by periods of intense heat has led to the rapid development and expansion of wildfires. Fires in the western half of the contiguous states to California, including Colorado and Wyoming, have burned on average 30 square miles of total area every day since early June. Every day, another 30 square miles is burned up. An area approaching half the size of Washington, D.C. In the southwest, trees are dying, riverbeds are empty, Lake Mead's water level dropped to its lowest point in history, and Utah's governor asked residents to pray for rain. Well, praise God for that. Hey, (laughs) 
we're having it. <laughs> Utah people prayed, we get the rain. Thank you, Utah. Anyway, um, water is increasingly scarce in the western U.S., where 72% of the region is in severe drought, 26% is in exceptional drought, and populations are booming. Greater Las Vegas is one of the fastest growing metropolitan areas in the country, home to more than 2.2 million people. Around 90% of the water comes from Lake Mead, the reservoir on the Colorado River formed by the Hoover Dam, which is currently 36% full. 30, and it's going down. They're running out of water. What do you do when you run out of water? What? It's not like you can keep digging wells. What are you going to dig to? There's nothing there. They're running out of water. Well, John Ensminger, general manager of the Southern Nevada Water Authority, said the region needs to drastically increase our conservation and rethink how we are using almost every gallon of water in order to accommodate that kind of future development. That includes a new law that will declare more than 30% of the grass illegal in southern Nevada. Now, if you declare the grass illegal, what do you do with it? Dig it up? Now, what that sounds to me like is an invitation to another dust bowl, like what happened in Oklahoma. If you ever want to know what happened, why they had that dust bowl in Oklahoma, read about it. It had to do with improper farming that seemed like the proper way to do the farming. Nevertheless, nearly 98% of land across 11 western states is abnormally dry, and more than 90% is covered by some category of drought, the worst levels in the U.S. Drought Monitor's 21-year history. Reservoirs have drained to their bottoms, leaving bathtub rings on their shorelines. Rivers reduced to trickles are setting off conflicts for dwindling water rights. Millions of acres of trees and shrubs have turned from shade to fuel for the out-of-control blazes everyone predicts will come. If it dries up, all it's going to take is another fire to kind of head in that direction, and that stuff's going to go up in a blink of an eye. You're looking at a massive part of the western United States burning. Now, this is not normal. But listen to this. 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verses 13 through 15. God says, If I shut up heaven that there be no rain, or if I command the locusts to devour the land, or if I send pestilence among my people, if my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Do you not think that at least the western part of the United States needs a massive healing? And where have we had so much sin, filth, degradation, rebellion to God, etc. and so forth, it's come right out of California. And then God says, Now mine eyes shall be open and mine ears attend unto the prayer that is made in this place. In other words, God is saying, I'm telling you what's going on, but I'm not going to turn my back on you. I will be sitting, watching, and listening for your prayers. And if you'll do what I've said, then I will move and I will heal 
your land. In other words, we don't have to we don't have to sit back and wring our hands and, and try to come up with another plan to stop this and stop that. God says, I'll get involved with it and I will heal your land. In Matthew 24, in verse 13, Jesus says, But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. What does that mean? Very briefly. What it means is this. All this stuff is, is going to happen. And he says that Iniquity, verse 12, is going to abound. Are we not seeing that in the body of Christ? Absolutely. And then he says, the love of many shall wax cold. What love is he talking about? He's talking about love for God. See, you've got to leave all this in context. And he talks about how that in verse 10, many shall be offended and betray one another and shall hate one another. That's division. Is that not happening in the body of Christ like not, right now? I mean, the people that talk about righteousness are being called Pharisees. The people that talk about holiness are being told, you don't know what you're talking about. You don't know the Word of God. And God is saying, look, verse 13, if you will endure all of this and stay focused on Me and My Word, not caught up, let me kind of paraphrase here, let me just kind of expand, not get caught up and all the social media stuff. Not jump on every bandwagon of every conspiracy this and conspiracy that. If you will stay focused on me and my word and endure all of this stuff, then guess what? You shall be saved. What does that mean? That means when the end comes and he returns, you will make it into eternity with him. That's how serious this is. And the part, I guess if you want to say the part that should really capture our attention, verse 8, all these are the beginning of sorrows. <laughs> Guys, more is coming. And one of the things that's kind of sad is how many Christians have been talking about all the day is coming when us Christians, we're going to be persecuted. We're going to be treated cruelly. Why? We may be thrown in jail for preaching the gospel. We may... Okay, you know what? How about if you consider everything else that's written in here? The plagues, the pestilence, the wars, the rumors of wars, the earthquakes, all the other stuff. He says, all of this is the beginning of sorrows. Now here's what I'm getting at. We can focus on how much the liberals hate us. But guys, if we don't take heed to the sum total of what he's talking about in here, we're fools. Because what we're seeing happen right now are the signs of the times telling us Jesus is coming back. Glory to God. And he says, he said in another place, Will I find faith when I return? Well, I say, let him find faith. Let us be the, the people <laughs> among those that, that have the faith he's looking for when he comes back. Let us endure to the end. Praise the Lord.